It's April 13th, and today on the show, we talk about our favorite Nicolas Cage movies. I honor the great Pokemon show as it nears its conclusion, and then we head to the vault. It's story time. And before we get started, I just want to give my thanks and congratulations and my love and my admiration to one of the greatest things ever created. It's not sliced bread. It's not the automobile. It is Pokemon Pocket Monsters. For those of you that don't know, after 26 years of the Pokemon anime existing and loving and making its way into our hearts and the hearts of billions, if not trillions of people, it's coming to an end with Ash and Pikachu. So they're going to continue the show with a new cast of characters, but this is going to be the first time in the 26 years it's been running nonstop for 26 years, okay? They've gone through multiple seasons and multiple characters have come and gone, but always Ash and Pikachu have stayed. And finally, Ash and Pikachu are going to retire. They're sending their goodbyes. Team Rocket's going away. It's all done. Goodbye. Um, I'm trying not to cry and get emotional here. But like for me, this this means the world. It's like you're finally watching a friend get their flowers. You're finally watching a friend sit down like you know you ever seen like it's like watching your uncle or your dad who's been like working their whole life and they you see them come home day after day and they're getting older and it doesn't mean they're getting worse they're just getting older and then you they're finally like look you know what i'm putting my gloves down it's like a, a an athlete retiring and this is what this feels like pokemon i'm still gonna watch it and to be clear i have watched all of Pokemon for the last 26 years. Pokemon X and Y, specifically Pokemon XYZ this season, was the best. That finale was wonderful with Zygarde, with the tournament. The whole show has been building up to this. If you guys don't have been keeping up, let me just kind of talk about the best part of all of this. So for the last 25, 24 years, Ash is trying to be, he's trying to catch them all. They got rid of that plot. They said, no, 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 he's not going to try to catch them all. He's going to try to be the Pokemon world champion. So for the last 20 years, Ash has been trying to win all the badges, beat all the tournaments, go to all the events, become the Pokemon champion. And you're thinking, oh, how's that going for him? Not well. He's never done it. Um, for years, he was he wouldn't even get past the group stages. He would he'd be like top 50 and then he was like top 20. And then he was the top 10. And then he finally uh, was gotten to the quarterfinals. And then you got to wait three, four years for the next tournament. And then he gets to the semifinals and he loses and he loses and he loses. And in Pokemon XYZ, he finally got to the finals. We got a sick like three episode match between him and Alan. And they fight and Greninja and Pikachu. And then Ash loses. He gets second place. And you're like, can this boy just win? And finally, in the Alola region, um, they give him his kind of like championship. He did win it, but it's not the world championship. It's his first tournament one that he got first place. So after 20 something years, in the last two, three years, the ultimate journey or um, the new season, it's had Ash go to uh, it's building up to his getting his best team together, getting his, you know, everything doing all the characters from the last 25 years. If you've watched in the 25 years, any part of it, those characters come back from Clem, from Misty, from Brock to Trey. Everyone comes back. It's beautiful. It's sad. It's nostalgia every episode. And it's about Ash 
finally going to the world championships, going to the tournament, and he finally, with Pikachu at his side, he wins. It is so sad. It's so beautiful. It's so emotional. And once that happened, and once he won, the Pokemon announced that they were doing their final season. The final, I think it's 12 episodes, the goodbye, the saying goodbye to the characters, to Team Rocket, to the Pokemon that he's missed, to Butterfree, to Pidgeot, to all of these characters. So Ash can finally just have his life. God, I'm getting sad thinking about it. It's so beautiful. It's so cool. Uh, if you haven't watched Pokemon, it's not yet in English. It's only in Japan. It's just finishing up in Japan, which means you're going to have to probably wait about three to six months. So in three to six months, you'll probably hear me talk about this again. But yes, Ash, Pokemon, Pikachu, they're finally retiring. It's their season, their series is over. We're going to get some new characters. We're going to get a brother and sister. There's a new Pikachu. Captain Pikachu's coming. Things are wonderful. But if you've been a Pokemon fan or you want to go back about three to six months, unless you want to watch it in Japanese, um, you're going to see a lot of nerds and weeaboo and anime fans and Pokemon fans crying over the next few weeks and days and months because to this, this is our best friend. This is a character that we've grown up with and seen finally just calling it and saying, hey, I'm done. So I just wanted to give thanks to Pokemon, the Pokemon company for their games, their anime, their movies, their characters they've created, uh, everything. They even have an episode in the recent season about a podcast. <laughs> Gotta say, really wonderful all around. Shout out to the actors, Zeno Robinson, who voiced Go in the new season. I know you personally, uh, you did a great job in the show to everyone and everything and to the future actors that are taking over. I'm so proud of all of you. You guys deserve this. We're going to have a good time with the new Pokemon show. And <laughs> that's the that's my intro. I guess it's not a rant. I guess just saying thanks to something that I hold dearly in my heart for pretty much my entire life. Welcome to the Storytime Guide with Matthew Torres, a weekly discussion about the most important events in the world of pop and geek culture. Movies, TV, anime, comics, this is your one-stop shop for all the stories that take your imagination to highs, sometimes lows, but always to a place worth discussing. I'm Matthew Torres, and thank you for joining me. Hey everyone, tomorrow Renfield comes out and we will be discussing it once we've seen it. But we didn't want to pass up an opportunity to discuss the great Nick Cage. So I've invited some friends to rank their top five Nicolas Cage movies. Or as they would say in front, Nicolas Cage. That's not true. I'm sorry to all my French listeners. Uh, <laughs> welcome Juan and Carlos. Uh, making their story time debut. Christian, thank you for joining us. we got a panel of amazing people. Let's discuss, starting at our top five, the greatest Nicolas Cage movies. Christian, you're new here. Start. What's your, uh, what's your favorite Nick Cage movie? Number five. Number five is going to be National Treasure. And I have a good reason behind it. Because it was, as a kid, a movie that introduced me to a softer side of Nicolas Cage, a more like adventure movie Nicolas Cage. It felt very like Nicolas Cage trying to do like an Indiana Jones type thing. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a lot of fun, especially as a kid, especially as like a foreigner. It was like, <laughs> oh, you can you can go and just steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> and it was very clear to me that no, only Nicolas Cage could make that happen. Because when so, you tried uh, to do it, you got in trouble for when it. When I tried to do it, we, we can't talk about that on the podcast. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I think that's like the a good starting point for like people who are not very familiar with Nicolas Cage because he is typically like a lot in that movie in a good way, mm -hmm. but a little toned down where like the whole family can actually enjoy the eccentricities of Nicolas Cage. So I'm going with National Treasure for number five. Juan, you have that on your list as well? 
I have that in a surprising location on my list. <laughs> yep, number, you got it. You got it, number one. It's uh, the, that's not on my list because I like crazy eccentric Nicolas Cage. I like when he's absolutely unhinged. Or I'm just going to say mine. And, uh, Wicker Man. I love the Wicker Man. The Bees, the Bees is one of the greatest memes of all time. Him being absolutely unhinged is great. And I love the fact that they took the Wicker Man, which is, it's a reboot, to be clear, of a very serious horror film. And they rebooted it with Nicolas Cage. And the thing is, for all of its fault, it's a good movie. It's a great story. It's really messed up and dark. But you just remember Nick Cage putting on a bear suit and punching someone in the face. So to me, I'm like, well, how many times are you going to see Nick Cage dress up in a bear and punch a woman in the face? Not many times. That's why my number five. <laughs> if no one's seen Wicker Man, they're like, he, w- 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 I want to is see this it now. acid? Like, yes. <laughs> yes. It is. That, that was like my other pick for number five for a sec. I was like, it's either Wicker Man, because he is insane in that movie, yeah. or it's National Treasure. But that is, if anybody has not seen that movie, I highly recommend watching it, even if it's just for like the sake of watching like a very bad movie that's just enjoyable in yes. some ways. If not, you'll have a lot of fun either way. <laughs> and Carlos, uh, wh- what's your number five? Uh, my number five is uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, does anybody else have this on their list? I have a number five, and it was a toss-up because they're both recent. I was between Willy's Wonderland and Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent oh, because I am a defender of Willy's Wonderland. But I it's went a good with movie. Un- I went with Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. I loved it. I love how it encompasses... Nicolas Cage's whole career, but it also allowed him to just have fun and poke fun at everything he's done. And of course, the bromance with Pedro Pascal, amazing. I mean, the Paddington 2 scene alone, that alone should have <laughs> been the best picture clip. That was good. That was good. That was it. Amazing. Yes. Cinematic. Yes. Loved it. All right. Well, what's your number four then? If that's number five, what's your number four? My number four is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> there you go. Oh, there we go. Okay, okay so, so let's talk so, about it. Yeah. Yeah. He has a small role in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. He's Spider-Man Noir. And when I saw him first show up and I heard his voice, I was instantly like, all right, this is cinema. Love it. Here for it. (laughs) Best Spider-Man character. Like, I went all out for it. And it's so him. It's tailored to perfection. I forgot about Spider-Man Noir. And now I will forever remember Spider-Man Noir. Thanks to Nicolas Cage. Like, his performance is awesome. I have no idea if he's in the sequel to Spider-Verse. He should be, I think. He should be. I think everyone's coming back. He should be, hopefully. Because I want to hear what he does next. I think he's just fantastic. Yeah, so it was my number five. And very similar to what you were saying about Unbearable Weight, there is the Nick Cage of it, like where that meta presence of Nick Cage, where he's making fun of what we all know about his essence. And yet it's incorporated into the story so well that it enriches the story. And I think that's the the beauty of what they did in Spider-Man uh, Into the Spider-Verse. It's just so well done. And I was very surprised. I did not know he was in it. So when I heard his voice, I was like, oh, this movie just got 10 times better. That movie's already fantastic. Yeah. So, so yeah, so great addition. Um, yeah. Should I go with my number four? Yes. What's your number four? My number four, and this is a little bit of recency bias, but... Late 90s cage, it's a very, it's a very uh, specific cage where he's in these blockbuster movies, but he is at 11 and yet it fits into the story. Uh, mine is Snake Eyes. I think it's uh, just 
really great Brian De Palma film where Brian De Palma is trying out all these tricks. He's coming off Mission Impossible. He's in his bag and Nicolas Cage is there for the ride. And Nicolas Cage is over the top, but he is a dirty, dirty Atlantic City cop. And yet when he's betrayed by Gary Sinise, you feel that betrayal. And yet you can also feel like he wants to take the deal. He wants to be the corrupt cop that he is, but then he's also has this morality to him. It's really great. The way he performs it is great. That's my number four. I wish Brian De Palma and Nicolas Cage would have worked more together because I feel like the the sleazier Nicolas Cage is amazing always. Mm -hmm. And Brian De Palma is a sleazy director in a good way. I mean that. I love Brian De Palma. So I wish that would (laughs) have kept going forever, like just that combination of very two two very iconic uh, people in like the entertainment industry but that movie's fantastic i saw it yeah. as a kid and it blew my mind it was like damn this is how this young is were cinema. you when you saw snake eyes uh. <laughs> 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 all right sorry those jumps continue back on the list let's see number four christian what's your number four my list is just like i want to defend nicholas cage but he has a very recent movie uh, besides uh, the two that I already mentioned, that was fantastic. And I feel like a lot of people don't give it a chance because they think it's going to be one thing. But when you watch it, in actuality, it's a completely different thing and it's very touching. And I'm talking about Pig. I don't know if a lot of people have seen Pig. It's so I've good. It. It's Pig so good. Fantastic. If you watch the trailer, it makes you think that it's going to be like a typical like revenge movie, like almost like a John Wick type situation where this man gets his pig taken away from him and he goes crazy and he's going to, you know, do anything to get his pig back. But when you watch the movie, it's actually incredibly nuanced, surreal, very funny, very touching. And his performance in that movie is by far one of his best performances. Like he is absolutely phenomenal in that movie, especially as the movie goes along and you kind of start understanding what the movie's actually going for. When it hits, it hits incredibly hard and that's due in large part just because Nicolas Cage is a fantastic actor and he can sell anything. Like if he is convinced the project is worth his like time investment and his like, you know, actor chops, he will do anything to kind of push that across to the audience. And that movie is just fantastic on many different levels. That's like a, a recent fave that I highly recommend if you guys haven't seen. See, I'm I'm going to be honest. I think all of mine, with one exception, possibly one and a <laughs> half, are from the 90s um, or like early 2000s because that was, to me, the best Nick Cage. Um, so my number four is Gone in 60 Seconds. I think Hell it yeah. is like unbiasedly his best, like just the best movie he's ever been in. Uh, also, Bias, uh, it was filmed in my hometown. So uh, I love it. I love seeing everything uh, filmed at the Port of Los Angeles. And uh, yeah, it's it's super cool to see that he's in. And back then, that was like before Fast and Furious. And I feel like Fast and Furious probably wouldn't exist without Gone in 60 Seconds. I think that's a fair kind of assessment thing to say. I just love it. It's cool. It's, it's let's go like just like it was Nicolas Cage. Just he wasn't too much for the world. He was just right at the point where like he 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 leveled out, but he gave extra. The cast was good. It really felt like the Italian job, but Americans like and I think yeah. the Italian job remake was probably part due to the content six seconds. Yeah. So really, I think this whole like like uh, car foo, you know, as they call in Fast and Furious, where they use cars to like do action sequences, that whole kind of thing. I think none of that would exist without gone 60 seconds. So that's my number four pick. And it's just it's Nicolas Cage doing good stuff. He's, he's fantastic he's, cast. Incredible yeah, cast. Yeah. Really I feel is. like it doesn't get enough credit for doing, and I genuinely think it did a lot for not only his career, but for everyone involved. Yeah. Fun fact, my former boss's almost favorite movie, she would bring it up 
at every brainstorm and she'd be like, we should do something like gone in 60 seconds. And I was like, are you serious? (laughs) She's like, it rocks. And I'm like, it does, but you mention it at every single brainstorm. We're talking about like a family drama. You're like gone in 60 seconds. That's good drama. It's like, no, that's not, (laughs) that's not how that works. She gets you guys gone in 60 seconds, like stockings and socks. Yeah. (laughs) She would have been amazing. I wish she would have done that. Honestly, she would give motivational speeches about scripts. And she yeah. would be like, what I like about Gone in 60 Seconds, and you'd be like, <laughs> how is she going to tie this to the script that I wrote her about some science fiction? Like, this is so weird. But yes, yeah. Shout See? out, Jasmine. Shout out, Jasmine Romero. Everyone's got their number four. Uh, number three. Uh, let's start with uh, Carlos. What's your number three? All right, number three. This one is right for Christian's heart because it's Wild at Heart by David Lynch. Christian, do you have it on your list? That's my number two. All right, then we'll wait for number two. But uh, have I ever told you what this jacket means to me? It's a symbol. Uh Oh, God, I love that movie. Uh, We will talk about it. uh, But uh, (laughs) since it's his number two, we will wait until then to discuss it. Uh, Juan, what is your number three? My number three is actually because of the teenager within me. If anything, my list will show I was born in the 90s, but I chose Kick-Ass. <laughs> That's my number two. There we go. Great movie. It's, it's good. He's screaming. Yeah. He's the, the kryptonite. Like, yeah. as he's on fire. Oh, man. That one's a good movie. Uh, all right. So I guess we'll, we've got two. Okay. So Christian, what's your number three then? Oh, I'm I'm on that 90s thing. Uh, it's one of my all-time favorite movies. I would watch it with my brother all the time. It's the most ridiculous premise ever conceived, maybe. It's Face Off. That's my it's number John- one. That's what I love Face Off. Okay, I so love I guess it. <laughs> it's so good. Are you kidding me? It's John Travolta and Nicolas Cage going insane. And they're it's pretending amazing. to be each other. Like the opening scene, he like it pretty much has an orgasm while he's like addresses a priest dancing with like a girl. You're just like, Oh my god. It like, is crazy. Also, like if you change the face, the body stays the same. Like it's crazy. Like it doesn't make any sense and I'm all for it. I'm like, "Hell yeah. I guess this works. Why not?" Amazing movie. Amazing. And again, Amazing. him at his most unhinged. Like he is really going for it. At least for half of the movie. And then John yeah. Travolta takes like the the lead a little bit and he's also going unhinged. Amazing movie. I, well, full disclosure, I did not include Face Off because I knew everyone else would include Face Off, but I love the movie <laughs> and it is peak Nick Cage. Just incredible Nick Cage. Yeah. All right, well, then we'll we'll wait for that little. All right. So what's everyone's number two then? My number two is Adaptation. Um, oh, all fantastic right. movie. It again. Oh, it's your number one, Chris. Yep. Great. Then we can wait oh. on that one. But it's it's a fantastic movie. What's your number three? Oh, my number three is Con Air. Oh my it's god. The bunner. Like it's his over the top <laughs> accent, his the if you guys haven't seen Con Air, anyone listening, of all the movies, I feel like Face Off and Con Air are the two that you absolutely have and probably adaptation. That was really good too. But like if you want to see Nick Cage be absolutely insane and have a ridiculous fake long hair wig and have a ridiculous accent and it's a, a criminals on a they they hijack a plane and then land it in Las Vegas. I mean like he, the premise of the movie is that he gets into a bar fight when he gets home from serving in the military, mm-hmm. and he strikes a man who dies, and he's sent to prison because the judge deems that his arms are lethal weapons. 
So that's why he's that. given yeah. that's why he's given such a long service. And then of course they take <laughs> When they have to transport the worst criminals in the world, he's put on this plane, and of course they take over, and it is fantastic. It is so ridiculous. Great, great Nick Cage movie. Also, it always uh, keeps side escalating. Note, uh, yeah. That actually did happen to a very famous wrestler. We just talking about wrestling on the last podcast. Uh, Razor Ramon Scott Hall killed someone uh, in a bar fight, yeah, and he did not serve any time. Because it was self-defense. Right. But I feel like Nick Cage, uh, I mean, I, I get it. You know, Scott Hall's six foot, like five, super ripped dude. But Nick Cage is a, I mean, I understand. You know, Nick Cage is way more deadly than Scott Hall. So, you know. Lethal. Lethal weapon. Lethal. Yes. Lethal weapon. national as well. Icon. John yeah. Cusack. John Malkovich. Yeah. Oh, also, my God. I'm sure a lot of people in the know have seen the meme or just like the gif or the gif or however you pronounce it of Nicolas Cage. Like there's wind hitting him in the face and his yes. yeah, hair is just <laughs> like, yes. that is Con Air. So if that's you've Con seen Air. that gif or that gif or however you pronounce it, that's Con Air and you should definitely watch it. It's insane. I need to rewatch this movie. I, I saw this as a kid. Like oh, there was a restaurant and it was playing on a TV and my mom was done, but I was so invested in the film. I was like seven. And yeah. I was just watching Con Air, and I'm just like, this, this is great. I didn't even know it was R. Bundy. It's, but I, yes. it's good. All right, so okay, so that's that. All right, so jumping to number two is uh, mine's this kick-ass. I think genuinely this is Nick Cage finally getting to do what he wanted to do, which is to be a superhero. Yeah. Um, it goes to show that he would be an amazing Batman. He's an amazing Spider-Man noir. Um, I hope he does a superhero movie eventually. I know he's getting older there in age, but... Um, He's so good in it. And I think like Kick-Ass really <laughs> redefined the genre. I think without the, we wouldn't have the boys and even super yeah. Marvel movies going a certain direction without Kick-Ass. Um, Kick-Ass 2, terrible movie. And Nick Cage isn't in it. So, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah. Nick Cage, Kick-Ass, great. Not Kick-Ass 2, not a good movie. But that's yeah. my, that's yeah. my number two. Um, Juan, what was, what's your, what was your number two? My number two was Moonstruck. Because I saw this with my family. I love Moonstruck. I think that it is underappreciated in terms of Cage because he does a rom-com here and it was really great. I actually thought when I saw Cher was nominated, I looked up, I was like, is Cage nominated? And he wasn't. I'm here like, how was he not nominated for the Oscar too? It should have been both of them. I mean, come on, you can't have these, the iconic scene of, I think I'm in love with you. Snap out of it without him. Like he took the hit. <laughs> yeah. I think it's great. It's understandable why it's in the Criterion Collection. I, I love it. I will rewatch that like anytime it's on, really. And it's like the same thing with Kickass. I feel he's underrepresented in terms of like everyone will go to Conair, Face Off, The Rock, etc. But I feel Kickass. He just didn't have like he was amazing, but some people just don't appreciate it enough. Yeah, and I agree. For especially. Yeah, and he should have gotten his superhero roles. Like you said, he's kind of like, you know what? I didn't get my Superman moment to be the Superman moment to hero, but I'm going to be Superman in this moment. I'm going to kill a bunch of people. It's going to be bloody. It's going to be chaotic. I'm going to yell at the top of my lungs. And he did. And the teenager with me was like, this is fucking awesome. This is great. Yeah. This is where I became more of a Nicolas Cage fan. And to be clear, he would eventually go on to play Superman in the Teen Titans Go to the movies uh nicholas cage was cast as superman in that movie so he did uh, yeah. almost 30 years later finally get to play superman uh christian yeah. what's yeah. yours what's your number two my oh my number two is wild at heart oh my uh, goodness look at these beautiful movies you guys are choosing yeah i freaking love david lynch 
And again, like that combination of Brian De Palma and Nicolas Cage is just magic. David Lynch and Nicolas Cage is also magic because Lynch is a deranged human being and I love him deeply. And he grabbed Nicolas Cage and gave him the role that was just perfect for him. And he's yeah. basically playing Elvis throughout the movie, but like <laughs> a pervier version of Elvis and just going insane. Laura Dern is also in it and it's fantastic. It's also like the whole movie is kind of like a, it takes like the Wizard of Oz and like, rips it apart and makes it like super dark and scary and funny. And again, it all works and is held together by his central performance. He really sells it and you want to see this journey like to its, you know, natural end. It's amazing. And again, it's him going unhinged. There's like a great dance sequence where he's just like having the time of his life. He's wearing this jacket all the time that I wish I owned. It's just, I, it's one of those movies where you're watching and you're like, I got it. Like, I want to be Nicolas Cage for a day. And if I could be (laughs) Nicolas Cage in this movie for a day, that would be amazing. And there are, there are worse movies to be Nicolas Cage in. Yeah. Oh, for sure. (laughs) So it was my number three. And it's very similar to what you were saying. The thing about this movie is David Lynch is just so off the reservation in most of his, in most of the things that he's exploring. And if Nick Cage isn't so great in this, this movie falls apart. Like this movie turns into camp or it turns into parody, but Nick Cage is just in character so well that you just believe that this is just a super, super eccentric guy who thinks that he is the reincarnation of Elvis Presley and he is absolutely in love and enamored with Laura Dern's character. And he does have that jacket, which he, there's this amazing quote about the jacket that he keeps saying over and over again, which... I said to ad nauseum and so my wife hates the quote now, but it is just this fantastic film and it's weird, but it's weird in all the right ways. Um, yeah. Wild at heart. Fantastic movie. Um, yeah. If you're into surreal stuff, it's for sure for you. Like it's, it's that type of movie where it's like, it's always going to take a left turn that you do not anticipate and it'll keep taking that left turn. And you, you end up just like wondering, like, how is this going to wrap up and is it going to be satisfying? And it definitely is. It, it works perfectly well. And again, to Los's point, it is like held together by just like a magnificent performance from Nicolas Cage. Yeah. I don't think, I think the movie won in Cannes, like in France. Yes. I think so. Or he I, won or something. But yeah. I'm pretty sure it won, but I don't think yeah. they were ever recognized. Uh, and it was way too weird for the Academy. <laughs> Good movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, Carlos, what was your second? My second is Adaptation, which is Chris's oh, number yeah. one. So if we want to talk about it now, Chris Cooper ends up winning an Oscar for this. Meryl Streep is in it. But Nick Cage plays dual role. He plays twins. And he's really playing Charlie Kaufman, um, whom yes. if you don't know who Charlie Kaufman is, Charlie Kaufman is a really eccentric screenwriter who has written some of the best and weirdest movies of the last 25 years. He's fantastic. And Nick Cage is essentially playing... Uh, a twin version of Charlie Kaufman. And again, the the range and the subtlety that he finds in all in both of these characters, it's just phenomenal. I mean, just in the discussion we've been having about Nicolas Cage, where we talked about how he beat the hell out of everybody in kick ass, how he's <laughs> this eccentric, surreal character Elvis impersonator in Wild at Heart, how in Con Air he's a lethal weapon with arms. Like just But all of these things, he's so believable in all of them. And so, you know, we forget because he's so out there. His personality is so crazy. And because there are so many parodies of him when he does adaptation and he is just so subtle and so subdued. And you're just like, man, God, this guy just has everything. It is a 
phenomenal movie. Also, Charlie Kaufman wrote Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which ah, amazing movie. So if you're into that movie, yep. If you're into that type of like also surreal, weird, very high concept type movie adaptation, kind of scratches that itch. It's amazing. My number one was adaptation. I adaptation is like easily one of my favorite movies of all time. Also because you get two Nicolas Cage for the price of one, and that is always <laughs> great. And one Nicolas Cage is, as Lo said, like very nuanced, and he's playing Charlie Kaufman. He's like super anxious and like eccentric and like mm-hmm. a writer. And he has like writer's block, and he's trying to be super ambitious about this adaptation of a book about flowers. And he goes a little deranged trying to write this script, which yeah. ends up being the movie you're watching, which again is insane. And his brother is just like a Nicolas Cage bro version. So he just says awful things and he has like pickup lines that are just disgusting, but it works for him. And he writes terrible movies, but people buy his scripts instead of the other brother. And he's like, why? And then the genius of the whole thing is when that movie got nominated for best script, Charlie Kaufman and his brother, Andy Kaufman, are nominated. But again, Andy Kaufman does not exist. It's just a figment of like... It's just a character in the movie they wrote. So again, there's a lot of layers to this. It also yeah. feels very true to like what, I, what everybody associates with Nicolas Cage, which is he is unhinged and everything he is in has to be equally unhinged or just yeah. like vibe on the same like energy level or whatever. And that is one of those where it's just like insane. Like you get the best of both worlds for Nicolas Cage. And it is by itself an amazing movie that's just like worth everybody's time. It's just so good. And if you ever suffer from writer's block, you'll get a lot out of it. It's very relatable. <laughs> All right, one. what's your number one and two? Yeah, uh, my second was Moonstruck. My number one was actually Christian's number five, and it was National Treasure. <laughs> that film... He's gonna still steal the Declaration of Independence, dude. That's crazy. <laughs> Bro, I saw that movie before going to D.C., and I literally saw the Declaration of Independence. I was like, oh, my God, Nicolas Cage stole this. <laughs> I was like, no, that didn't really happen. I was like, it happened in real life. No, Get did, over it. It did happen. It did happen. We're confirming it's a documentary. Yeah. Podcast. It was yeah, a documentary. Yes. It was the only thing. It was one of those movies that I don't like history. But when Nicolas Cage is explaining history, this is the best history <laughs> teacher I could have had. Like, this was amazing. Like, he'll steal the Declaration of Independence. He was using the blow dryer to get the code. Like, he was out here doing so many things. That's like, this shouldn't be happening. But I'm loving every moment. And he is pulling it off. Continue. I will see 11 more of these films if you have them. And then the second one was great, which I enjoyed. But I think the first one's better. And I still want the the third one. I have not seen the show because I... I was like, okay, no Nicolas Cage. Well, we'll get to it eventually. It looks great. I've been told. I've been told to watch it. I've been told. I haven't yeah. seen it, but I've been told to watch it. I don't know. But again, it's... if you lose Nicolas Cage, you already right. lost me a little bit. I Kick miss my too, yeah. Cage. You know, like yeah. you can't replace him. They tried to replace Nicolas Cage with Jim Carrey, and it did not work in Kick Ass too. No, but I'll give this show a shot. So, uh, real quick, I just want to give honorable mentions before we go to the final ones. Um, I gotta say, movies to watch that are silly. Willy's Wonderland, wonderful mil- movie. Mm. Color Out of Space, um, Sorcerer's Apprentice. I think that one is mm. like a secret hidden gem that is actually yeah. really, really good that not enough people talk about. Um, Season of the Witch is bad. Sorry, I'm looking through all of these movies and I'm like, all right, Ghost Rider. Eh. Next is cool. He's got a ridiculous hairdo. His head. That was sort of a meme if you see the eagle on his head. Uh-huh. Yeah, he replaced his hair, his wig with his two pieces with, with an eagle. Uh, yeah. That's where that's from. Uh, yeah, next, uh, you know, there's some good movies, some bad movies. City of Angels. Uh, and I just want to give special thanks. Based on a great movie, thanks. though. 
Yes. Based on a great movie. And Vampire's Kiss. Uh, mm. Vampire's Kiss is one of uh, probably the one that most people haven't seen that they should see. Absolutely. Nicholas Cage at his most, probably his most unhinged. And then finally, I don't know if I already said it, but Mandy. Mandy is actually probably one of the best horror films. If it's probably the best horror film he's been in and one of the best horror films that you probably haven't watched. Go see it. He has a cool axe. He murders demons, takes acid. There's like a six minute, a one shot scene where he's just in his chonies just screaming. Um, so go watch it. That's that's what would be my... But yes, I've already said my number one, too. Face off. That one... He, he gets impaled with a harpoon! I mean, Great. what kind of action movie where you can say the villain was killed with a harpoon gun? Not a lot. <laughs> No, we we need of more them. of those. We need more of those. <laughs> it's got John Woo. I mean, it's great. It's a it's a it's fantastic. Um and so ridiculous and so over the top. It's so and actually good it's action great. sequences. Like, yeah, I'm making fun of it, but it's also yeah. like really actually really good. Wonderful John Travolta, Nicolas Cage. Both of them are monsters, acting kings. Um, that's my number one. Uh Carlos, what's your number yeah. one? Uh, well, we did mention, uh, we were doing honorable mentions. I just want to bring out, bringing out the dead Scorsese film, <laughs> late nineties. Oh, really good about an EMT who is seeing ghosts. He is going slowly going crazy because the city and the stress is driving him crazy. It's not my number one. It was honorable mention, but it's a film that kind of got lost that people don't talk about all the time. Mark Anthony is in it. Mark Anthony gives a really good performance in it. I forgot that he was trying to do acting for a little bit and stuff. I remember that. Yeah, yeah hey, it's good. Man on fire. He's on in Man on Fire, and it's in the same performance. He's yeah. the father. Yes, and he's really he's good in Mar- wow. Man on Fire. He's a decent actor when he's applying himself. Yeah. Anyway, that's for our Mark Anthony <laughs> rankings. Uh, my number one, and this is this was a clear number one for me from the beginning. Probably. Only Christian seen it. I don't know. Raising Arizona. I'm a huge Coen oh, Brothers fan. Oh, yeah. Yes. I, I forgot lo- about that. Sorry, my voice squeaked because, yes, <laughs> I remember Raising Arizona, dude. I just adore that movie. I adore what Nick Cage does in it. Um, if you've never seen the movie, it's a Coen Brothers dark comedy about a childless couple who really, really wants children. So they kidnap one baby from this family who just had quintuplets thinking, well, it doesn't really matter. They have more than they need. And then from there, it becomes this really madcap, crime, caper, screwball comedy. And it is really, really just peak Coen Brothers. I love the film. And Nick Cage is so ridiculously dry pan funny in this movie. It is what started my love affair with him. His eyes. His eyes. Oh, my God. Uh, And he and Holly Hunter had this, this absolute chemistry to them. Uh, it's great. Uh, if you haven't seen Raising Arizona, please go watch Raising Arizona now. It's a fantastic movie. Literally, you can see me adding this to my watch list because I haven't seen it, but I oh, want it's to. Great. Good. Like you sold so me on it. I want to see it's it. It's good. It's funny. It's and it, the thing is too. I think it's one of those rare moments where Nicolas Cage wasn't really being Nicolas Cage. He put like the role first before he put himself in it. Granted, because I think this was early in his career. Um, but it really feels like the like the Raising Arizona was. He, him just trying to protrude like portray that character and not so much be like yeah like i think that slips in there there's a few times where that slips in there but i think it's genuinely him being himself um christian did you already say your number one uh my number one was a adaptation but yes uh, i don't want to mention i was going to say raising arizona because that movie is stellar 
it's so good. Also, big Sam Raimi influences. There's a lot of like crash zooms and the camera's always like floating above the ground. There's like this weird bounty hunter that's portrayed almost like a demon that's following them on a motorcycle. He's evil incarnate, yeah. Yeah, that is a fantastic movie. It's almost family friendly, but not quite. But it kind of gets there. Like you can watch it with other people. It's not as dark as other Coen Brothers movies, but it is amazing. Yeah. Uh, the Rock was the other one I wanted to mention because mm. Michael Bay loves blowing shit up. Nicolas Cage loves to blow shit up. And that is always good. Yeah. So Michael Bay, The Rock, amazing. Sean Connery, Ed Harris, amazing movie. He, and, that, and that one, he is fully going like action movie deranged level. Yeah. Just yes. <laughs> giving the biggest performance imaginable. It's amazing. And a typical right. Michael Bay, like crazy uh, plot where the only way to sneak back into the rock is to have some guy who snuck out 40 years ago swim his way underneath. That's the only plausible way that we can get in there. Just like it's easier to train uh, drillers to be astronauts than astronauts <laughs> to be drillers. Like Michael Bay, classic plot, makes no sense, but you just on the ride. You're and if you tell him that, he'll be like, shut up. How about that? How about you shut your mouth? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Shut yeah. up and look at this big explosion. He just blows something yep. up. That's what exactly. he does. Yeah. My honorable mentions. I always love the bad Nicolas Cage films mm. because even when they're bad, he still sells it. And I appreciate that about him. Like yeah. they did this film called Inconceivable, which we did WWE last week. I There was a WWE superstar there that I was like, okay, Nick Cage and her. This should be interesting. It is awful. But I was like sold because this is a lifetime original style movie and I'm just here like trying to figure out how it's going to end. Like it is not great, but I loved it. I had Pig as an honorable mention, which Christina mentioned. It is so underappreciated. I thought Nick Cage was getting the Oscar again, but he did not. I thought he really, really deserved it. It's like the same thing that happened to Adam Sandler with Uncut Jebs. I feel like they both should have gotten in. But the Oscars was like, nah, you guys aren't real actors. That's Nick. I completely, I get you on that one. Yeah. And then Willy's Wonderland, because only Nicolas Cage can have zero dialogue in a movie and do a Five Night at Freddy's movie that better than it has any right to be. Yeah. Better than it has any right to be. And it's so entertaining. I own it on Blu-ray here somewhere. And the other one was Drive Angry. Because that was like my first introduction to Unhinged Cage. Like, no, yeah. it's probably not going to age well, but... It did not. I watched some of it recently. It did not age well. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I bought the DVD, saw it for the first time. It's like, I shouldn't be watching this, but I'm so entranced. What is Nicolas Cage <laughs> doing here? Oh, he's blowing someone off with a shotgun. Got it. Uh, yeah. yeah, I just feel and like his sh- bad films should be appreciated. We should mention, you mentioned he was going to win another Oscar. The film that he did win an Oscar for is Leaving Las Vegas, where he plays an alcoholic who decides to go to Las Vegas and with the company of a sex worker played by Elizabeth Shue, he decides to drink himself to death and it is a spiral uh, towards oblivion. But again, played with humanity, played with heart, played with a subtlety that, again, in anybody else's hands, it falls apart. It's an Oscar winning role for Nick Cage. Great movie. And I just want to say as a final note before we, we before we send this off, um, we did all of this because Renfield has not come out yet. I think Renfield is going to be a wonderful movie. For those of you that don't know, um, Renfield is uh, it was sort of going to maybe be part of the Universal Dark Universe monster things. Uh, the gist of it is that this is a Universal monster movie, um, but a completely different direction than what we're used to. It's 
if you've ever seen the old school Dracula, I feel like Renfield hasn't been in anything since the old school Dracula. But if you've read the book, if you've read, if you've seen the movie, uh, Dracula ends up taking control over this guy and it becomes his like servant. Like, yes, my master, like Igor kind of thing. So that's what Renfield is. So this movie is about Nicolas Cage's Dracula, which you know you're, and he's doing the 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 Bela Lugosi old school, uh, you know, Transylvania Dracula, um, and it's about Renfield played by Nicholas Holt, I think, right? And yeah. he's he's Renfield, and so pretty much it's like a metaphor for abuse and getting out of abusive relationships. Looks funny, looks good. Um, can't wait to see it. I think we're all in the same boat on wanting to see Nicolas Cage as Dracula, right? I think. Oh absolutely. yeah, of course. <laughs> Come on. So yes, uh, it comes out this week. Uh, definitely go check it out. It's going to be a good time. We'll talk about it next time. Either way, go check out all these movies. Nicolas Cage is wonderful. Clearly, there are at least 15 movies that we all agree are wonderful. Thank you so much for everyone. Carlos Christian Juan, thank you guys for being on the podcast. Hey, and welcome to the all-time segmenters. We like to call it The Vault. Every episode, I put something in the vault so that we can preserve a piece of art, movie, a book, a graphic novel, a novella, uh, anything that we think is beautiful, wonderful, uh, or just trashy and smutty, and we like it anyways. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> Christian, uh, what do you want to put in the vault? There's one amazing... I love horror movies, so I'll put that mm -hmm. out there. There's one amazing Japanese horror movie called Cure that I highly recommend everybody watch. If you're trying to think of what to watch this year in October, I know it's a long ways ahead, but it's good to be thinking or just like start the thinking process way ahead of time. Cure, amazing movie. It's about a detective trying to figure out a serial killer who hypnotizes people to commit murders. I remember so that movie. Oh my God. From 1997, the hypnotist one, movie. One hell of a movie. It is unnerving it is surreal as hell it is gory it is everything you want an actual horror movie to be when you want to get freaked out so i re highly recommend that one it recently got a restoration so it's looking beautiful it is amazing so i would put that in the vault for sure and i just want to yeah. say for that uh, i know we don't really see it it's not big in our culture but uh hypnotism is huge in japanese culture there's actually a few horror movies and like just movies in general where they discuss hypnotism that leads to uh other things uh in a few asian cultures too you're gonna find that um and it's gonna lead me to my next one because this is one that is really like it also has <laughs> hypnotism in it um and it, it's it's not from japan it's from korea um, it is going to be old boy. Uh, that's what I'm going to pull in the vault. Old boy has, uh, you, you, there's hypnotism in it, right? Like that's the whole gist of yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah so oh, buddy, without ruining it. Yes. A big part of it. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, <laughs> so old boy is 90% one of the greatest movies ever made. One of the greatest movies from Korea. It is about a, it was remade with Josh Brolin and Elizabeth Olsen. Um, in America, but the just watch the Korean version is better. It's about a guy that pretty much gets stuck in a room as punishment for something. And not like a prison. Like, he's just stuck in a room. They won't even let him kill himself. They'll, like, save his life when he tries to kill himself. Really weird. <laughs> really amazing. There's a hallway fight scene where he gets a hammer and he fights, like, 20 dudes. It's so cool. The twist at the The reason we're laughing, at least the reason I'm laughing, is the twist at the end is the most unhinged, 
what the fuck moments there's, you will. <laughs> there's a lot to talk about after you watch Old Boy. You will for sure watch it and you'll think about it like the, the cursed video in the ring where you want to throw it at somebody else just so yeah, they can also like, experience the twist and then talk about it with them. It's that type of movie. It's fantastic. Yes, it's wonderful. The, the American remake's not bad, but the old school original Old Boy is so damn good that it makes the remake look pretty bad. It's Korean horror thrillers at its best. Um, that's what we're putting in the vault, everyone. Thank you so much. Um, so what do you guys think? Are these worthy of being in the vault? Are these worthy? Do you want to see other Japanese, Korean, Asian horror films that you want us to talk about? Put in there. So if you want us to talk about, put those kind of movies in there. Be sure to like and follow. Follow us on social media. I'm at the Storytime Guy. Christian, do you have any socials you want them to follow you on? I guess my Instagram, Christian Jatar M. That's my Instagram. Perfect. Christian Jatar, that's J-A-T-A-R, right? Yep, correct. There you go. And Christian Char, follow him, follow me. And as always, everyone, that's been The Vault. Okay, everyone, you heard the show. I have to get a Nick Cage marathon started. If I start today, I should end sometime in this lifetime because I got to watch him once, got to watch him twice, got to watch him three times because it's Nick Cage. And so I just have to say thank you before I go to Christian, to Juan, to Carlos, Thank you to everyone listening. You guys are awesome. Follow me on my socials or else. And as always, everyone, have a magical day. The Storytime Guy podcast is a production of Sonora Media. It is produced by Carlos Arenado, mixed and engineered by Santiago Sierra. 